there are some questions I'd like to ask you. Flush Studios Podcast. Now, don't tell me you're taking all this seriously. <laughs> Hey, folks, and thank you for joining me at the Flush Studios Podcast, at the Flush Studios Podcast, at Flush Studios for the Flush Studios Podcast, Uh, the show where I ask artists to join me in my studio, Flush Studios, whether in person or digitally via the interwebs, mostly via the interwebs right now because of COVID, but hopefully soon people will be able to come back to Flush Studios and actually talk to me in person. Um, And we just discuss what we do, what inspires us, what got us started, and whatever the hell else we want. I'm the host of this silly little show and the owner of Flush Studios, Josh Stifter. Uh, This week, I had the pleasure of talking to film director Ryan Kruger. Uh, I'm not being dramatic when I say that this is one of my favorite chats ever. Uh, From his start in filmmaking as a kid, buying his own camera, to his crippling depression and recovery through making his first feature, uh, which is called Fried Berry, I was riveted the whole time. Uh, Ryan has worked as a short film director, created nearly 100, or his website says like 70, but maybe more music videos than that now, uh, in Cape Town, South Africa. That's where he's from. The dude is inspiring as hell, and I think you'll dig the conversation as much as I did, honestly. It was a fantastic talk. Um, So much inspiration, so much insight into process, and some revelations for me that I've personally never had about my own films. So it's it was a really fantastic talk. Um, Fried Berry, Ryan Kruger's movie, you'll be able to see it at Fantasia Fest on demand in the next week. Or maybe right now. I think while this is out, you can go to Fantasia Fest, rent it on demand, and you have like 30 hours to watch it from the time you hit play. I haven't seen it yet, but I am super stoked to check it out at Fantasia Fest this year. Um, now for the part I hate of this podcast, the the self-promo. Patreon.com slash Flush Studios. That's how you support what I'm doing. Support my studio and keep this podcast going. Keep uh, the films coming out and keep me in the process of creating new things. Patreon.com slash Flush Studios. $1 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever the hell you can give. It goes a long way to helping me hire artists to create the stuff we make and helps me uh, keep keep the websites afloat. You know, these things cost money. So anything you can give to help, it really does make a huge difference to creating the art that I create. With all that being said, I'm not going to delay this anymore. This is an amazing talk with Ryan Kruger. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Enjoy. Recently, I've been trying to start the show with a hypothetical because I find that I learn a lot about a person who I don't know when I can ask them kind of a, a weird, wacky question. There's just something, you know, off the cuff. Oh, well, how about this one? I have access to get a free ticket to any show, any concert, any movie, anything. Uh, your, your expenses are covered. You can go anywhere in the world. And COVID doesn't exist. So that this is... Totally a hypothetical. Where are you going and what are you doing? Dead, dead, dead and alive? Anything. You oh, have to be alive. No, anything. 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 This is going to be random. but uh, <laughs> I love it. That's why I love, the, I, I love throwing people yeah. under the bus and being like, now come up with an answer now. So I think uh, a big inspiration of mine that I absolutely love, and I, I nearly went to go see him live, and he passed away like, like a year or two ago, and it was, uh, he was playing at Vegas, and it's uh, the comedian uh, Jerry Lewis. So oh, I nice. always wanted to go watch uh, Jerry Lewis when I was younger. And 
years ago, my dad was was meant to take me when he was doing a show in London, and I didn't we, I didn't get to see it. And then I was like, I'm gonna go. Uh, it was like it was like a year or two ago, and I was gonna go in December to one of his live shows in uh, Vegas, and it didn't happen. And I was just like, shit. And then he died, and I was like, oh, oh God. I should have I should have went when I was younger. So that would be the the gold the golden ticket. Would it be See, uh, like Jerry a, a big venue or a little venue? Or it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. It, as long as it's the person that you want to see, then they're great. And he's uh, he's always been a big like inspiration with his comedy and writing and directing and producing you know, his movies. But um, yeah, he's a legend. Absolutely a legend. I, I read on your site, you started filmmaking in a similar way to a lot of us, where you got an old video camera when you were a kid and you just started filming stuff. I'm always curious about what types of stuff people made in those early movies that they never show to anyone. Like those when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, what kind of movies were you making? Dude, I've, I've probably, I'm not even exaggerated, I've probably got at least like uh, like 100, 170 like movies there of all the films that I used to make. And it was like from 1998. It, it was funny because when I was a kid growing up, you know, I, I liked all sorts of uh, genres, but if you look back on some of them, you'll be like, "Yeah, he just watched uh, this movie, or yeah. he just watched that movie," and it was like, you know, just for example, there'll be like uh, the Matrix came out, you know, uh, Six Sense just came out, or or, or whatever. Uh, but the funny thing is, there was a lot of oh, it was always full of like violence and all that. The funny thing was, everybody when we were making all these films. It's like everybody had American accents. <laughs> oh, really? So everybody just had an American accent. It was fighting them. I always say to people, it was very much my childhood of making movies, getting that video camera and experimenting and shooting stuff. It was very much like like Super 8. You know, me and my friends, would go out in the summer and then we'd get a story and then the whole of the summer we would go shoot, you know, go shoot these shitty movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> but every... But, but the cool thing was every every movie that you made, like they're all they're all shit. But the cool thing was every movie that you made, you learned more and more things. And there would be like one little good thing in each movie. And then as you got better, you would take all the little good bits of stuff that you know how to do and you'd put it together and then it gets better and then it gets better and it would go on like that. So it was always cool. And a lot of my friends, some of them weren't even uh they didn't even want to do acting, or they just, they were just it was just a fun thing to do. So they would, they would be in it. And, uh, and like my one friend, uh, Chris Morgan, he, he went to a different school than me. So when he went back to school, I didn't know about this until like years later. He would like, when it was like break time, it was like lunchtime, he would charge people to go watch these movies that we made. And he would like let people, uh, you know, go watch it in the school. And then my other friend, James Skyner, he, he went to the, uh, the same school that he did. And obviously he was really embarrassed by it. And he's like, Chris, what are you doing? Why are you showing all these people these, these these movies? But everybody loved it. And I only actually found out like years later he was doing that. And I thought it was I thought it was really funny. That is hilarious. I love that you brought up the Matrix because that is like the epitome of, you know, when we were old enough to kind of understand the process. You know, when I started, it was basically just like run around with a camera. We didn't really quite grasp the concept of setting up really specific shots it was kind of just like set the camera down wherever and film and kind of tell the story <laughs> if you can call it that yeah. but then the matrix yeah. hit and we were all at that age where we were kind of like we had learned enough we had wasted enough catch up making bloody sequences and stuff like that that we had an idea 
And it was like, how the hell did they do that? And behind the scenes weren't all that. You couldn't just hop on YouTube and find it. So I remember literally yeah. having a, a scene where we did like gotten an action pose. And then my other friend ran circles around us with the camera trying to yeah, get the yeah. bullet time. And we just rose in these awful positions. That's like a perfect example. The Matrix was the yeah. movie that every kid started ripping off. Yeah. You know, it was always stuff like, you know, like Reservoir Dogs or something like that. You know, and it was always like a heist of some sort or whatever. Um, or it was in the house or, we, you know, we filmed the different locations. But also there was like a lot of action and violence. So a, a lot, for me, a lot of that came from like the Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan movies and, and you know, watching that. But every every film had like, you could see, oh yeah, they just watched so-and-so last week. Or, you, you know, you could see it. It's always great. Like I've, I've got... I've got majority of them on uh, like a digital format now, so it's it's, oh, you do. it's nice to have it. You know, it's not, it's nice to to have it, and it's cool to look back. You know, to look back on and go, fucking, hell, I'm still doing the same shit. I know, I'm doing the same shit with the same friends. That's the best part. Like yeah. in my in my last feature, I actually took some of the footage from the early movies we made and put it in to show like we are have been friends this whole time, still doing the same shit. Oh, that's so good. But that's what I'm saying. It's amazing to look back on. It's it. You know, it's just like photographs, but it's even better. You know, it's so good to look back on it and you know to show your kids. Yeah. We, we, we would spend hours. You know, you'd spend hours at doing these things. So, I mean, like I, I did it over like the summer holidays or I did it every weekend when I had a chance and that was it. And it was always like my mom and dad, or, you know, at like four o'clock in the morning go quiet. And I'm like, I'm fucking trying to do the scene. Yeah. I need to finish it. <laughs> you know, it was, it was always that, you know? So did you just naturally start doing that on your own? Like, was it just, I need a camera. I need to film. I have this drive to do it. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I got my, I got my first camera, which was a terrible camera. Uh, it was like from cash converters. <laughs> and it was just this like little small camera, which lasted one day. Like it was so fucking bad, but it lasted one day. <laughs> I shot like stuff on this camera that was so crap. I took it back. And then the next camera I got was probably like a week or two later. And it was JVC Video Movie. And because it had that title, JC Video Movie, you go, oh, fucking hell. make a video movie. <laughs> It's a good one. It's like a movie camera, <laughs> like that, you know. So, so yeah. And then, it, and, and the cool thing about that camera compared to the other cameras, camcorders and shit that I got, it it had like filters for like certain like uh, certain effects. And then there was a switch at the top where you could film something and then swipe it, and it's a cut. So when you record next, you don't have to. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no foot. You don't have to actually go into editing your movies anywhere. So when we used to shoot the movie, it would be like, this is the scene and cut. And then, so we'd say cut. And then when we play it back and watch it, you swipe it and cut it at the exact right time you want it. And then you would just go to the, you know, the next scene and you would obviously have to film your movie in order, but then it's it, your movie's edited and done as you went. So I used to, so I, I shot a lot with that camera when I was a kid. Man, that had to have given you such a, like, respect and understanding for the edit like having to edit literally in camera like that just yeah. must have taught you but, so much yeah no no definitely but the bad thing about it was i mean it was overall good because, oh yeah you know i didn't have all those to edit but the bad thing about it was so you do that take and then you'd swipe you watch it you swipe it so you cut it there now you shoot the next scene but now they fucked up that scene what you just shot now so that means you gotta press play rewind it back and then cut it again but you're losing a, a, a second yeah. every single time. So at one point, 
if you keep fucking up the scene, you got to go back, and then the previous scene you're gonna have to redo again, <laughs> unless you leave unless unless you leave handles on either side. Did you start to do that? Did you learn like okay, we need to leave handles? Like I had, I've told this story in the podcast before, but I had a camera, just like an old VHS one. You know, my dad had bought the camera, and then when I was like nine, he was he bought a new one. He was like, ah, fuck it, you can have this one. I could get my friends to come out and film on weekends, or you know, like during the summer, maybe a couple days here and there. But I wanted to film literally all the time. Like that's all I wanted to do. I learned to do stop motions, and the way I did stop motions was I found this rhythm of like hitting the buttons. So I go like one and two and yeah, and I could like time it, and I it would get like three frames. I think that gave me a huge respect for the amount of work that it takes, which now it's made yeah. it's made filmmaking feel so easy because I had to deal with that. As opposed to now my kid is starting to like play with the cameras and do stuff and I'm like, oh man, you've got it good. Well, yeah, he can shoot exactly. whatever he wants, throw it on a computer and edit. Well think about it. When when the five D came out, that changed everything. Oh my god, it totally changed the game. So I mean, I remember when I got that JBC video you know, camera, I was, you know, I was just a kid and I was messing around. And then later, a little bit later on, I got a Canon XM2. So when I got that, I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Fucking shit. <laughs> but it was cool at the time. But now we've moved to mini DV. So it was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, mini right. TV. And uh, so, you know what I mean? We didn't have the 5Ds when we were younger. So it was just like, it, it's so much easier now to, you know, to make, to make a film. And back then... You know, like you were saying, you learn so much. Like I learned so much just by myself. And by the time I eventually decided to go to film school, it was purely because uh, I wanted to get a crew together. And that's the only reason why I went to a film school. So I didn't learn a hell of a lot in the film school. The only thing I learned was challenging myself with certain filmmaking aspects of whatever I'm making and then working with a visual effects artist. And that's, and that's basically it. If I told my dad that, he would go crazy. Oh, of course, because of how much it costs. It's like, I literally went there to make friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but that was the success of, of you know, of a part of the road that I took because I, I, you know, instead of me doing everything, it was like, you know, I've got a good DP. I've got somebody to do lights. Right. I've got somebody to do this and that. So it was just, you know, it's, you know, film is a collaborative thing. So it was, you know, it just brought all those people, you know, together. That's such a smart move, too. And that's what I tell people. Some people ask, because I didn't go to film school. I went to school for animation. And I did it because I wanted to take sort of the Tim Burton route, I guess. The, you know, learn animation. Yeah, yeah. get You can kind of learn every piece of the process if you do animation. You have to act. You have to do sound. You have to edit. Every piece of it is in, like, a short animated film. When people ask me if they should go to film school, I'm always like, it depends on why you're going. Like, it... You know, they're like, I can make movies. It's so easy now. I'm like, yeah, but if you want to meet people and you want to go down the actual route of filmmaking, it's still great yeah. to go to film school. I think it still totally can serve a purpose. The people that I, I work with now, it's a lot of the same people that I, I went to film school with. So my editor, you know, I've been with him for like 10 years now. You know, if I didn't go there, I wouldn't have met a lot of the people that, I've, that I constantly work with right now. That's amazing. So you do a lot of different types of content. You've done short films. You've done. Um, you just finished your your first feature. Is this your first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my first. Yeah. So I'm known as a music video director in South Africa. I've done my short films, done my commercials, and you know I've always wanted to make a feature. And I I just got to that point where I'm like I need to make a movie, and I need to do it now. I'm, I can't wait anymore. I've waited long enough, and I've just got to make it happen. And, <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing, the people that have made it a feature, you know, you know the crazy thing is, I knew all along in a, in a weird way at the back of my head, like you just gotta do it yourself. Oh, you can't yeah. wait for all these people. And the only reason why you end up waiting, because I, I had like five, five or six opportunities where producers came to me and said, Ryan, we wanna work with you, we wanna make a movie. And I'm like, oh, I get excited and I think it's gonna happen and then it fades away. Happens again, fades away, happens again, fades away. And it just got to a point where I'm like, I can't wait for these people. And it's also not your money, so it's better. And then it gets to that point where you go, you know, I've got to use my own money and i just got to do it. And like, who, who, who better to to bet on yourself than yourself yeah. to actually make, to make a movie? Because you know you're going to put everything into it. And that's what happened. So, uh, you know, me and my producer, we just put it all together and we were like, we're going to do it. And we just, we just did it. And it came around like, like super quick. So yeah, Fried Barry is basically about a heroin addict that gets abducted by aliens and it's basically alien tourist on holiday and we we follow his journey and it's it's like a road movie without the car and Barry's the car, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. I saw the trailer. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I saw the trailer. It absolutely looks amazing. And it, it, you started with doing sort of a trippy experimental short film, which I saw. Yeah, so so by the same name, we, we in 2017 I made a three-minute experimental film, uh, also called Fry Barry, and it was just about a heroin addict in an abandoned building, on his highs and lows on his latest trip. Uh, but that was made pure, you know, that was purely made just because I wanted to shoot a bunch of experimental films and have no rules and just do what I want to do, not think about it getting on TV, not have to have a client or anything like that to please. And from that, with the official selections around the world, uh, so quite a few awards we won and random started getting fan art. So I kind of knew I was onto something there, but there was never any like a major plan to shoot. Oh, you know, really? To shoot a feature. So that was never yeah, in, the, the, when you shot that you had no idea Fried Berry was going to be a feature at some point. No, um, no. I mean, dude, I've got so many, I've got so many other scripts <laughs> that I could have made probably, probably way easier than Fried Barry. But it just ended up being, it's like one of those things where you just know. And I was like, I had to, I got the story and I had, I had to do it a certain way. And I, straight away, I was like, this is, this is it. This is the movie I know. Like for the first time, I was like, I know this is the one. And, and, and that's it. And it would just, it, it, you know, we shot it over a year and a half. Uh, Pre-prod, uh, from when I got the idea, I wrote, I got the idea and it was three days in three days, I wrote a fifty percent breakdown of the movie, and and that was just purely very brief. Barry goes here, Barry does this, Barry does that, and that was it. And then I wrote six pieces of dialogue for the movie, and then the film. A month later, we started shooting the film. We shot twenty-eight days over a year and a half, and majority of the movie was well, a big part of the movie was all improv, apart from the dialogue that I written. It was all improv and workshopped on the day. And our lead actor, he's not, a, he's not an actor. His background, he's normally an extra, but he, I've worked with him for about 10, 11 years. He's an extra in a lot of the work that I've done. And he, he's got a, a featured part here and there and stuff. And then I shot the experimental short. And I knew when I got the idea, it had to be right for him to make, you know, it had to be the perfect story. Yeah. I had to be the perfect character for him to make it work or 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 would have fell to pieces. So it had to be right. I had to I had to base the movie around him and mold the movie around him uh, to, to make to make it actually work and, and to 
to be what it should be. You know? Yeah, you said something interesting. You, you uh, mentioned that you shot 28 days total over like a, like a series of a year. So you would go yeah, and film yeah. like on a weekend when you had time or like random little spots. Yeah, yeah. So it was just it was 28 days, but over, you know, that long period of time. But it was cool because it was like plan, plan, shoot. Yeah. Plan, plan, shoot. I, so it gave us enough time. And if and if I did it 28 days in a row, the movie wouldn't be nowhere near as good as it is. So it gave us time to man. plan uh, and, and just, you know, to plan and shoot and plan and shoot. And th that gave us a big a big advantage. But like I said, because of Gary, uh, the, the lead guy, Frybarry, it had to be the right story, the right way to direct it, to make it work, mold the film around him. But not also that, because we're shooting in such a long form of time, that the main continuity in the movie had to be just Gary. And that's it. And nobody else. So there was no major continuity with anybody apart from him. Mm -hmm. So normally, you know, if you're trying to shoot that, they're like, ah, oh, now so-and-so's changed his hair yeah. and we can't find these clothes and this and this and this. So Barry was the continuity of the movie. And that's that's the only continuity of the movie because like I said, it's like a road movie. So when you meet these characters and then he passes them, they're done, they're finished. We're never gonna go back to them. So it's always like this road journey going and meeting all these different people. Yeah, man, and that's one of the things whenever I mention, because I filmed my second feature, Greywood's Plot, over the, a series of literally three years. We started the movie, <laughs> failed at it, and then I got on Rebel Without a Crew and went and made The Good Exorcist, and then came back and I was like, we got to finish this movie. If, it's going to haunt me if we don't finish it. So then we started uh, it again yeah. like a year and a half later, and the best part was uh, my buddy Daniel, he's my producer and he acts in all of my stuff, he he had shaved his head for the role of Doug Graywoods, and then he grew his, his, his wife hated it. He grew his hair back out, and then when I was like, man, we gotta go film this again, and he's like, yeah, I know, we gotta finish it. He's like, but I gotta shave my goddamn <laughs> head again. His wife was so pissed that he had to shave his head a second time, but it was totally worth it, and you, you, like you said, you have to, then you have to think about this these weird continuity things, and like, yeah. um, that's one of the reasons I made the movie Black and White, was when we went back to film again, besides the fact that Daniel and I had talked about it, and we're like, this is kind of a throwback to Universal Monster movies, and Ed Wood movies, yeah. and stuff like that, we should make it black and white. Yeah, yeah. We had aged three years. We had went and made a movie. We had become dads. Like we both had bags under our eyes, and we were like, "Well, we look like different men now. We need to, we, we yeah. need to make this black and white to cover that shit up." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you, and you know what? Like you know, doing that choice of black and white. I mean, you can get away with like so many things with black and white, whether it's effects or this or that. There's so many things that you can that you can just get away with, you know. And the audience kind of like just falls into it. It tells them right up front what kind of movie it is, and it totally worked to our advantage. But it was unintentional because it was shot over over three years, and the best part was uh, no one notices this because it's black and white, but like you're talking about continuity. I live in Minnesota where we have like three weeks where it, it rains, three weeks where it's like sunny as hell, three weeks where it snows, three weeks where it's just like the, the weather's all over the place. So I was able to get yeah. all four seasons in to this movie and no one ever oh, notices it it starts in spring and ends in the winter and yeah. it it the movie takes place over like maybe a week and yeah. we get all four seasons but because it's black and white i could get away with it but that's one of the things that but like you were talking about how when you started writing it you're like i know i'm going to be dealing with continuity so i'm just going to have um uh barry get or what is fried 
Fryberry, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Barry yeah, gets yeah. it, but his name is Gary, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. Keeps throwing. It had to be something close. <laughs> So you knew that he would have to be the one continuity thing. Gary would have to be. So you had Barry in the movie go from person to person. You wrote it that way. And writing to yeah. that sort of specific mentality, knowing that you were going to be filming over that time is so yeah. smart. And that was the thing. It, we, we made him have, I think it was two or just three changes of wardrobe in the whole movie. But the, the big part of the movie, he's got his denim jacket, yeah. his jeans, and then that's it. So he just, so I would always say to Gary, Dude, leave your jacket and your jeans and everything here so it doesn't get lost <laughs> Dude, or anything like that. You know? I did the exact same thing with Daniel because when we filmed The Good Exorcist, um, I knew we were going to be under this crunch because of the reality show following us around. It's like you'd be ignorant to think it's going to be an easy process or they're going to make it easy on you. I mean, I mean th 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 there, was, there was characters, there was two characters in the movie that we, that we wrapped. We wrapped them and said, cool, you're done. And so this was this was the only continuity that we had, but it was just like one thing, luckily. So it was just like, so there was two actresses that we wrapped, in fact, twice that we wrapped, and we thought, oh, they're done now. And then we, we wanted to bring them back because I got new ideas and be like, oh, it'd be so cool if this person came back. So the, you know, the, the one girl couldn't, uh, I think the one, yeah, the one girl cut her hair, but we made it look, again big and nobody noticed and then and then the other girl she she has red hair and she dyed it a, a different color so she had to dye it back again red and you know and then do that but it's but, yeah, crazy it was, how much you but, can get away with though like yeah no absolutely absolutely and it, yeah there's so many things that you don't you know the, the average viewer won't won't pick up on but when you were saying you, you know you took so long making you, you know your one film and then, you know, like, like you said, it haunts you and it, you, you sit there and you're thinking, I've got to finish this movie. And what happened to me was I did my, uh, I did my honors at film school. So I, I skipped first year in film school and I did two years and then I was out and then they asked me to come back for free. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm cool. And then, I, and then they said, you know, you can either do a 28 minute or a 48 minute movie. And I was like, cool. I didn't have that when I was there. So I thought, yeah, yeah, cool. But I didn't realize all the treatments and shit that you still got to do for your film. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know why I agreed to do this. <laughs> and I, so I put so much time and energy into this 48 minute movie. And I said to myself, oh, I'm just going to make, I'm going to make a feature. And, and then I'll give them the 48 minute version. And on my, like above my fireplace, let me see if I can move my laptop. Uh, so on my fireplace, I've got this poster. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and I've got it there because it's haunted me for so long <laughs> that I'm like, I need, to, I need to finish it because I never, I never ever finished it. And then over, and that's already, I think that's like seven. No, it's longer. It's got, I think it's like eight years old already. So over the years, I've gone back and I've re-edited, gone back and re-edited, and I've made it better. But then the reason why I held on to it for so long, and it shot really well, like. We shot it on a red camera and it, it, the DP was great. And it looked fucking expensive and it looks really nice. And it's not an amazing movie, but it was, it, it's still cool. I know there's something still cool about it. Uh, but also there'll be a million things that would change, yeah. you know, if I went back to it now. But it used to haunt me for so long that I'm like, I've got to finish this movie. I have, I have to finish it. And the reason why I held on to it for so long 
is because I thought that was my first feature. Yeah. You know, I thought that was my first feature. And that's why I had to, I, 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 like, I spent so much money on it and I've got to finish it. And then, you know, when I got the idea for Fry Barry and I, and then we started making it, I knew straight away, okay, this is my first film. This is the one that it should be there. And then, and then I'm, I'm not emotionally attached to that, that poster and that film now. So uh, one day when I get a chance, I'll edit it into, uh, you know, like a little short film. Uh, but because I knew I'm not emotionally attached to it because for, for so long I held on to it. And that's why I put it above my fireplace because I'm always like, okay, I've got to, I've got to finish it. Yeah. I, you know, I always look at it. But now I'm not emotionally attached to it. So it's fine. I, like, I, I could finally, finally let it go. And I would love still to cut it into a little short and, uh, you know, just put it out there because I did spend so much time on that movie well it's like you said about the scripts where you have a whole bunch of scripts but then this one became ended up becoming the first one it was the same thing for us when for for daniel and i when we got the call for rebel without a crew i was like man what script do we send them and then realized like i don't i don't want any of these scripts i want to do something fresh that's in the moment that is specifically something we can do for this show and i think that happens to a lot of people where they they put so much yeah. into their first feature and it just never gets made and never gets made. And they, it's like, you, yeah. you just got to get it out of your system. You just got to make, make yeah. one. Uh, absolutely. You know, I've got so many other scripts that I could have made. And it's just funny how it was that one idea that I got. And I, straight away, I was like, this is the one. Yeah. And I fucking know it. And you know, you know, you, you, you just know, like, this is the one. I mean, some of the other scripts that I, that I had, I, you know, like the one film was like a post-apocalyptic film. And I shot like a concept approval trailer and it looked great and looks expensive and it looks awesome. But I know it could have made that film really good, but it's one of those where it could come out and it could just get lost in that B movie market that, you know, I mean, there's plenty of amazing B movie films, but it can also get lost when people oh, yeah. just don't come across it. So, uh, and that was the thing. And then when I got that idea, I was just like, this is the, the right one to make because I know people will talk about it. I know that you cannot not not say anything about this type of film, and 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 that's why Fry Barry. This is it. I'm gonna do it. And it was. And as I said, the turnaround time was like, you know, it's like speaking to my producer, going, right, cool. I want to make a film, and I want to make it next month. Why do you want to make it next month? Because if we're not gonna make it next month, it's gonna get postponed. It's gonna get moved on. It's never gonna happen. And he's like, have you got a script? And I'm like, no because we have to do it this way because of the actor and da, 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 and this and this and this. And it was like, cool. A month later, we started shooting. And then that, that, was, that was it. You put yourself inside of a box, and that sounds like a bad thing, but it really is not, especially when you're like a first time, when you're making your first feature film because so much work is going to go into it. That, that's why I failed the first time was because I didn't put myself in a box of kind of rules and things I had to stick to. And when I went to make the... Or the make, the, what became the first one with the reality show, the reality show forced me into a box. And yeah. that being forced into that box pushed me to just do it, which then made me realize, oh, well, if I set these rules for myself with this, with this other one, I can, that's how I'll get it done. And that's what worked. And that's what's been working with all of the movies I've been doing recently. And it's actually started to work with animation as well. In a different type of box, we put ourselves in a different type of box and we say to ourselves, what can we do that will be really entertaining maybe one or two locations. And that's also limit, limiting yourself so much as well. I mean, and it's one of those things, it's just like, you know, you know, beg and borrow, ask people, can you, do, you know, get this location and that location? And then, 
you know, there's always ways of getting permits and stuff like that. So it's also stupid to just try force yourself to yeah. do a simple idea, but a good concept that people will enjoy. But you're already limiting your your thoughts. So and that's why I'm saying when I knew the the, the story with Fry Barry and I knew the design of it and I knew the continuity was him and then we could shoot it every now and then that we didn't have those limitations yes. of, of having all that stuff and having limitations of crew because it was just every now and then we would we would shoot, you know? And it had to have given you like uh like the liberty to just imagine new things up as you went. There has to be so much that you were just sitting there laying in bed and all of a sudden thinking about the the week like the, what you shot a week before you're like oh we could do this yeah i mean i mean for, for me uh well i won't talk about it too much but for me i got to this i got to that point where i was just like like i, I can't like i like four years ago i had uh, something wrong with my kidney i had an operation i got sepsis i nearly died i broke up with my girlfriend at the time my cat got cancer. Oh my God. I had to like invent, had to like find this medicine uh, for humans that have this medicine for cancer, made this whole fucking lab thing and made this medicine for my cat. Luckily, he's still alive. He's chilling on my couch nice. and I saved my cat. And then wow, I went literally saved the cat. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. And, and I went through this horrible, horrible time and then I, uh, I went into depression. And it was the worst. And I've never been depressed. I'm the, I'm the guy that people come to for advice. I'm the guy that gives people advice. So when I got depressed, I realized maybe in the past when I've said I've might have been depressed, I realized I've never been depressed. And it, it hit me really hard. And, and I went down a bad, you know, bad spiral. I was just like over. I'm like, I'm done. And I was said to myself, you know, what is the number one thing that I've always wanted to do with my life. And it was like, make a film. And I knew that for me, that was my medicine to, to do, you know, to do something. And the sad thing is it took me to nearly die <laughs> to fucking realize that and go, and I took all that fucking bad shit and all that. And I fucking put everything into this movie. And, and that's why it happened. And I tell you now, if I didn't go through that shit, I wouldn't have made the movie. Totally. I fucking know it. I, I wouldn't have made that movie. So it took me to go through all that to realize and go, shit, I gotta, I just gotta do it. I can't, I can't wait anymore. And I, and when I started, I was like, I was still like heavily, heavily depressed. And, you know, at, at that time, you know, people even said like, oh, maybe you need to go speak to somebody. Maybe you need to take medication. And for me, I was like, no, I'm, I don't want any medication. And people will disagree with me sometimes when I tell the story. But it was just like, for me, it's just like, like I was, uh, it was good that I knew what would make me better. Yeah. You know, some people don't know that when they're depressed. So I didn't want to take medication because I thought it would like send me down the ra rabbit hole more. I don't want to speak to somebody because I mean, like I'm massive on psychology because of acting and directing. And I'm like, what is this person going to tell me that I don't know already and try and put everything into perspective for me. I'm a bit ignorant when it would come to that. And I was like, I know what I need to do to, to get me out of it. And what I gained from Fry Barry was my first feature. My producer only met a month before that's like a month, month and a half before. So what I got out of this was my first feature, uh, my producer became my best friend, which I needed that like best friend at that time. Uh, because my other best friend, he, he used to live with me in Cape Town. He moved back to England. So I needed that, like I needed that best friend and my producer became my best friend. So 
there was all those things that were just like I needed at the time. And I knew if I had to make something, it had to be the most creative thing that I've ever done. And not only that, as filmmakers, when we make a film, we say, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to make a film and it's going to be good. Hopefully it's going to be good. Yeah. And that's such a fucking, it's, a, it's such an understatement because when you're making a film, you know, you've shot music videos or short films or commercials or whatever you've done before that. But when you make a film, it has to be the best thing that you've ever, ever done. Otherwise, what are you doing? There's no point. So it has to be the best thing. So I knew with the creativity, with the story that I got, I could be in that moment, have all that organic, organic, organicness throughout the movie and come up with those ideas straight away and go, let's do that. And it literally was on set. I'll be like, ah, oh, great idea. Let's let's do this. Or I'd be driving from one location to the next, like on scraps of piece of paper, writing down ideas or a few one-liners here and there to, to do it. And that's how it happened. And I know if I didn't go through that shit, there wouldn't be Fry Bar. And I, I know that. And it's crazy. It, it took me to nearly die to to realize, like, what the fuck am I doing? I just got to do it. Yeah, man. So, I, that's, that, I mean, that is way more intense than, you know, a lot of the people I talk to, but a lot of the people I talk to have the same thing where they're like, I wouldn't have made this movie if this didn't happen, or I wouldn't have made this piece yeah. of art. I would have written this book. I had to go through this experience. Mine is almost literally the opposite of yours. I had to have kids. Like I had kids yeah. and that's when I realized like, oh my God, like I, these, I'm going to tell these kids to like follow their dream and do the thing that's on their bucket list. And I haven't done the yeah. one thing that's on my bucket list, which is make a feature. And that's what got me out there doing it. I was just like, I got to go. I got to go make this thing. I failed miserably at it the first time, but eventually it worked out. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing you got and you got to do it. You just got to put it all, put it all into it and you just got to, you know, you, you have to do it. it you know, it's just one of those things where it gets to that point where you, you can't wait for anybody anymore. You kind of snap. You wait forever. You, yeah, you kind of just do. snap and go like, I got to do it. I got to go today. I got to start writing this. I got to move. I got to like actually pick up the pace on it. And, that, and, that, and that's why I said to my producer, he was like, well, dude, why do you have to shoot it next month? It's so dramatic. It's like, why do you have to shoot this feature and we have to start next month? And I was like, because if we don't, We're it's not just going not going to happen. <laughs> it, it's just going to be postponed. And we knew from the start, we're going to shoot it in blocks. So all we got to do is plan for the first week of shooting. So smart. That's it. So and, smart. and then when you shoot that day one, when you shoot day one, you've already started. That's it. You've, you're already in it. You're already, you know, you're already in the fucking game to fucking to finish it. And so day one, we were like, dude, we're making a movie. <laughs> and then it was like halfway through, it was like, oh my God, we've shot half a movie. And then at the end, we were like, dude, we shot a whole fucking movie. <laughs> and then, and then, it, and then it went from there to sitting at CineQuest in San Jose in, in the states, and we're sitting there going, dude, we're about to watch the movie on the screen, and everybody's going to watch it. So it just, and that's how quick it. I mean, even though it was a year and a half, uh, basically two years, but that's that that was, that was the process, and it just it just it just went and just took us on this journey straight away to to do it and i think a lot of people start like thinking about it and they naturally think about that two years as opposed to the what what you and i both kind of learned and because uh, i feel exactly the same way where it was like all right let's just go and take five days in the woods and film and see what happens and then yeah three years later we were sitting in a movie theater and we were like wow we made a movie how did that 
we we that just happened yeah. like it's so weird it's just sort of like you put yeah. so much yeah, work is, huh? so much heart so much passion into it but then it just yeah. kind of like is yeah i don't know that's it yeah. sounds that sounds really pretentious and weird but like you have that moment yeah. where no, you're no, absolutely <laughs> i i agree with you honestly i was sitting there and i was going like how weird is this you know how yeah how we we're like we're watching the film now it feels like yesterday we were fucking still shooting or had the idea to do this thing and it was surreal and yeah i mean it's it's that experience that you you know that you'll never forget that you're just sitting there going maybe this should have happened like years down the line you know because you always think it's it's going to be later 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 and it, and that's why instead you just you just snap and then you're there and you're like oh my god we did it yeah done it so watching yeah. it so you've seen it a few times in theaters with an audience what has that experience been like for you um yeah well i mean well i i think the so i've seen it twice i've seen it twice on the on the on the big screen so the first time at cine quest we watched it, it was it, you know it was so great to sit with the audience and you and you know you're nervous it's like oh yeah like it uh you know are they uh you know, are they going to get the jokes? Are they going to get this humor? I mean, uh, there's some South African humor in there. There's a lot of English humor. And it's like, are they going to get it? Half the audience is our target market. Half the audience is not our target market. But they both ended up loving it. I mean, there was one guy sitting behind me that was just laughing his head off. Is that the best the feeling? Film. Oh, my God. Yeah. When someone that, laughs, uh, you just are like, yeah. you feel like yeah. a puppet master. It makes you feel yeah. like and you I, have control over someone in the best way. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and that's it. And it's just, you know, it's that, you know, I tried my absolute best to make it very unpredictable and very entertaining that you can't take your eyes off the screen. Yes. And I didn't want to lose the audience for like one minute. And and that's the thing. And, you know, and it, I mean, a lot of people that have watched it have said like, I mean, it went like that. It went so quick. Yes. You just entertain the whole time, which is amazing to even, you know, for people to say that. That's like one of the and, big compliments. I honestly like, the worst, some, the worst thing someone could say was like, yeah, I liked it. What I love is when someone says something like, oh, my God, that just flew by. Or, um, yeah, exactly. you know, or, or when they call out like a specific moment. And I'm like, you were paying enough attention that you remembered that moment an hour later. Yeah, like, I exactly. love that. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. And it was all those things. I mean, even like, so, I mean, that was at CineQuest and then uh, Fantaspo in Brazil. You know, we had four thousand, just under four thousand people watch the movie, and you just like Holy fucking out four thousand people <laughs> watched my movie, and the people that watched it, um, and the people speaking about it online, or the people that have been messaging me, and it's it sound, it sound it, you know, it sounds so weird. They're like, oh, this is definitely going to be a cult film, or this is definitely a cult classic, or this is this, and you're like, are you speaking about my you're talking movie? About my movie? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, and and it's and it's crazy, and I'm very humble and very like I'm like oh my god, this this is so good, this is so good. I just hope it stays like that. Yeah, and and it and yeah, it was amazing. And then you know, some people watch it at the Cannes market. Uh, a lot of critics over the last few days have been getting it before Fantasia hits. I mean, and they've they've been like, they, yeah, they've been loving it, which is great. And you just like fuck, this is so awesome that uh you know people are saying this about your first film and and everything and it's just it's just a great experience uh, i mean there's so many films that are made that people don't speak about yeah you know there's so many filmmakers that make films that they don't speak about and it gets lost or i mean there's so many films that you know you could watch on netflix and you just sit there and you watch it and it's so shit or boring 
that you don't tell anybody about it because it's not worth a conversation. So I think with Fly Barry, I always say it's the type of movie you either love it yeah, right. or fucking hate it. It's one or the other. And the people that love it, love it. The people that hate it will fucking rub them the wrong way and they'll be like, eh, but they will speak about it, which is great. Also, at least somebody's speaking about it or having a conversation why they didn't like it. So that's 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 great to have that you know have have that people speaking about it in in, in such a way. So yeah, yeah and awesome. Daniel and I had that same conversation before too, where we were talking about how weird some of the moments are, and every time I'd be like, "Man, I I think we're gonna I think the audience is gonna think this moment is way too weird," and Daniel's always like, "Yeah, no shit, we're making a movie where a guy turns a guy into a dog boy. Like, you just we're gonna go we're gonna go big. Like, you you want yeah. the audience to." either love how weird we went or hate it. That's what we want is that yeah. dichotomy. Yeah. We don't want anyone to just be like, okay, I guess I'll watch that. I'm going to go to bed now. Like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's what you want. You want people to visceral, you know, to speak about it or, and even if they dislike it to, to that, they're still Need. sitting there actually watching it, you know? Yes. It's so. weird enough. Like that's, that's one of the things we kind of said about Greywood's plot is we were like, man, we got to like, quasi train wreck this you know we have to make it in such a way that people can't take their eyes off of it even if they hate it they need to know yeah. what's going to happen yeah. next um exactly i love that okay i'm gonna ask another hypothetical i'm gonna I, I, i'm very curious about this because you've worked on a lot of different projects and your style is sort of um i don't know i i mean fried berry from from the experimental and the trailer you you seem to like sort of that mix of like horror vibe but not necessarily straight up horror um so i'm i'm not knowing you very well i'm curious to know what this is like the the shitty question that everyone asks but whatever if you could only watch one movie ever again like what's the movie that you watch what's your like go to vibe uh, um well let me just go back for a second so the the uh, the thing that you said then about um, oh fuck I even forgot what you said now but uh, how, the, how your movies are kind of like oh, comedy yeah and, yeah yeah so, so I mean so I I like a lot of different films so like I love you know whether it's David Lynch or David Cronenberg um, or you know I love eighties films eighties yeah. films are like my probably my biggest references of all time and. And in Fry Barry, there's like so many 80s like references. So, so I, I, you know, I like those sci-fi elements. I like those horror elements. And I don't want to just stick to one. And it's good to have that mashup of, of stuff within, uh, you know, within, within the movie. So, and also to have my stamp on it where, you know, you can see that it's, that it's my work and it's a little bit different than this and this and this and this. Um, so, yeah, that, that one movie, it's like... <laughs> It's such a hard, you know, it's, it's like just, somebody saying, what's your favorite band? Yeah, um, you gotta just, but that's what I, I love think, about these kind of hypotheticals is it makes you go like right yeah, now yeah. in this moment, you could always change the answer later, but right now, what is yeah, it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Back to the Future. Oh, what a great Back answer. Like literally yeah. nowhere near what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. That's good. What do, you, what do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to go with something Lynchian or Cronenberg or something, you know, yeah. something dark yeah. and weird, and you went straight up fun. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen that movie like a million times, and it's fucking good yeah. every time that you watch it. And that's why I'm saying, like, majority of these days, there's, it's only every now and then a really good movie comes out. Yeah. You know? 
only every now and then. So there's more shit movies than ever because there's more content just fucking coming out the whole time. Yeah. So I find myself revisiting old movies all the time, whether you're watching, you know, the original Indiana Jones or the original Star Wars or, you know, watching all these, you know, like watching The Fly or Stand By Me or Goonies or, you know, there's all those old school films that you can watch again and again and again. And it's still fucking good. Like, I mean, like Lost Boys or whatever, you know, and you just you just watch it again and it's good every single time. You just know, I feel like this tonight. Yeah. I'm going to watch this and, and you know what to expect. You know what's around every corner, but it's still fucking great. It's like talking to and, a best friend. I think, yeah. It's like sitting down yeah, with a exactly. best friend and talking. That never gets old. Then you're probably rehashing the same bullshit conversation you've been having for 20 years, but it's yeah. okay. You're comfortable and yeah. it feels good. Yeah, exactly. And I noticed a lot of filmmakers recently when I talked to them, um, do say that they watch more old movies, rewatch things more than they're watching yeah. new stuff. And I think part of that is that Definitely. comfort and that like when you're watching a new movie, you're dissecting it, you're paying way too much attention as a filmmaker. You're looking at the craft, but you go back and watch Goonies and you're just watching Goonies. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and it's those directors. I mean, even now, I mean, I love Scorsese, you know, I love Christopher Nolan. And, you know, you get those people that I get excited for and they deliver 99.9% of the time. So like, like uh, Nolan's new film, I'm fucking excited to see it. Yeah. I know it's going to be good. Yeah. I know it's going to be good. So, you know what I mean? And, and there's not, there's not that many films that come out uh, too often anymore that you get super excited about and you know, it's going to be good. So there's those certain people that, you know, I look for and go, I can't wait for them to do the next one because there's, there's just, there's just so much content, whether it's series and there's, there's a lot of great stuff as well, but there's a lot of shit. <laughs> there's a lot of shit that just, that just comes out. And I think that's, it's like when I when I look at '80s films and I look at effects and this and that and prosthetics and animatronics, I'm like, it's so cool that we should be doing that more. And I I always go back to like the Mummy, the movie The Mummy, and you look at it and then you know there's that shot when he's his mouth's open and it's all visual effects. I'm like, it doesn't look real. Wow. And then if it doesn't look real, then what is it? So I mean, like, why couldn't you just get animatronics or this or that? And then there's people that I speak to, like my editor, my editor would be like, yeah, but the old Star Wars now, it's a bit dated. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking no. about? There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. And I was like, dude, what's your favorite film? And he says to me, uh, Crash. I'm like, Crash? And I'm like, I know you haven't seen the, uh, the David Cronenberg, uh, the thing you want. You're talking about fucking yeah. Brendan Fraser's <laughs> Crash. And I was like, nobody's favorite film has fucking Brendan Fraser in it. So like, what the fuck are you talking about? So it's just like, and I was like, is that really your favorite movie? And I was like, dude, there's nothing wrong. Like the three original Star Wars films, they're better than all the, the, the new ones that they made. And then when people mention like effects, and I was like, dude, that's a models. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like fucking great. It's like watching Space Odyssey 2001. Dude, that's the 60s. And it looks fucking better than a lot of the shit that's on now. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So it's crazy. And I've you been know, able it's to... crazy when you look at look at those things and you look at the original Star Trek movies and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, there's nothing wrong with any of the effects. Like, there is nothing wrong with it. You never notice it more. Like, I have really, really noticed how those old effects stand up. Like, because I've always been a fan of practical effects. And mm. it's, I'm just, a, I'm, it's just the way I am. And, but a lot of people will call them dated. Or you can tell that the zeitgeist looks at them as being dated. And 
the, but the reality is, is that's just a because we saw it when we were young. It we have the yeah. feel, we have the understanding that it is old. But now showing it to my kids and watching things with my kids and seeing it through that like fresh eyes, it really shows yeah. how important some of those practical effects are and how it really can pull you in. Like ET, I showed my seven year old ET, and he just like, how did they do that, Dad? How did they make ET? Like how? What is this? Yeah, yeah. And like, because he understands 3D effects. He understands CGI. He understands practical versus yeah. not because he lives with me, which I have monster masks and stuff all around my house. So he knows the difference, but E.T. was so different to him. It was hard to explain like, no, man, this is all real. They didn't have the CGI like yeah. we have now. Like, this yeah. is a it's real like thing. It's like when they, when, when they did that digitally remastered version of uh, E.T. and they, they stuck about four or five, six shots of uh you know visual effects et and i'm like why i didn't we didn't like, see that why? one i showed him the old one that has none of that in it yeah. yeah yeah exactly man and that's the best there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it and it's just that's the movie magic it's it's like the animatronics of like terminator when he's taking his eye out oh. in the mirror and you're like it's that creepiness and i remember seeing a video on youtube and it said like some of the worst practical effects number one was fucking terminator and i'm like what are you talking about what? You know, what? and it's just, and that's the thing. It's, it's that like creepiness, and and that, and I think that's what we've missed in all these, you know, all these films that I'm making now. We've missed all the animatronics and the the makeup and all that. They're just like, oh, we'll do it CGI, we'll do it all like that. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's some amazing visual course, effects yeah. out there. But when it comes to, when it comes to certain things, and you look at it, and you just like, like a, a, like a good example. Sometimes, like I look at Jurassic Park. And you look at that T-Rex scene and you're like, this is amazing. It's fucking brilliant. Now, years down the line, so I think what was what year was that? Like 94, 95? Yeah, 90, yeah, something like that. 93? Yeah. 93 maybe? Yeah, yeah. So so when when that came out, and it was dude, it was brilliant. And because it's Spielberg, he's pushing the limits and he's like, cool, we gotta, we gotta do this, we gotta invent something, whatever. Now, then you get like Jurassic Park three and four, or whatever, how many there was, and all this. And as years goes on, it's like 10, 20 years later. And there's these other Jurassic Park films, and the the effects are worse than it was in the nineties. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, how how is that how has that happened? And it's either the budget or you know the money or whatever. And you just think, how can it get worse? I mean, there's a movie um, you've probably seen it. Uh, do you remember the movie uh, Event Horizon? Yeah. Okay, great movie. Uh, I really enjoy it. But when you look back now at those visual effects on that film. It's so bad. Oh, yeah. Like oh, my the, God, yes. The, the outside of the spaceship, and it's so bad. But then you think, why did they do that? Because when you look at Star Trek in the, in the, in the 80s or, or Star Wars in the 80s, it's so, 100 times better than this. So it's like we've gone back. You know, we've gone, you know, we've managed to progress and go forward, and the visual effect sucks. Uh, and that's the thing. And it's sometimes those things that just doesn't make sense. But it's that in-camera... Like you said, you like doing it. It's the same with me. I like doing it in camera, you know, effects, having the subject there and just doing it. And there were so many things with Fry Barry that I could have done that with. And I was like, when he gets uh, abducted by the aliens, I could have shot that green screen in the studio. And I was like, no, man, we need to get a fucking crane and we need to fucking fly him oh, all the way. Oh, yes. That. That's amazing. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we, did, and we did that because it's just like, it has to be done. Because it's going to look so digital and so shit if we do it the other way, you know? Yeah, totally. 
All right, so I want to ask you one last question. Um, is there a genre of film that you would like to work in at some point that is maybe unexpected or people wouldn't wouldn't expect from you? Um, I love, you know, I, I love all, you know, I, I look at like, you know, if I look at director like uh, like Danny Boyle. Yeah. You know, Danny Boyle, he's done 28 Days Later, he's done The Beach, he's done Sunshine, he's done Trainspotting. So I mean, I'd like to dabble in a in, little everything, in, in, in a little bit of everything, and you know, and have my stamp on them on them all. Because I mean, it's it's you know, it's cool to explore, mash those genres together, and just have a bit of a bit of everything. Yeah, man, I so. I totally. I, that's the thing that I really have seen, and one of the things that I, when you talk about you love '80s movies and how '80s movies pull you in, I think part of that is the fact that they weren't afraid to mash genres and jump all over the place and just go like. I mean, you look at yeah. something like The Burbs, where it's a comedy movie, Amazing. but it has like horror elements. It. It's got everything in it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Like The Burbs, man, that's a great movie. I've seen that movie like a thousand, like a thousand times. Oh, too. so good. That's Such like a, one of my go-to comfort movies. Um, yeah, no, definitely, dude. Definitely. All right. Well, with that, we should probably wrap this up. Where can people see your movie? Also, at the moment now, um, it's playing at Fantasia in the next few days. Nice. So, yeah, check it out at uh, Fantasia Film Fest in Canada. It's going to be online, so you can just type in Fantasia or you can check uh, frybarry.com or frybarry on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook or just type in Ryan Kruger and you can go check it out. And, yeah, check out the, the trailer for Fried Barry. And let me know what you think. And you are all over the social medias as well? Yeah. Yeah, so all you got to do, type in Ryan Kruger or uh, Fry Barry, and you'll definitely come across it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure, man. It was great, great chat, great talking to you. Oh, man, wasn't that an awesome conversation? That is seriously one of my favorites ever, and I'm not even being sarcastic. So if you're trying to figure out how you can watch Fried Barry now, head on over to Fantasia Film Fest? Shit, I gotta figure out what exactly it is here. Oh, hold on, bear with me. Fantasiafestival.com, that's what it is. And you can find Fried Berry on there. And um, by the time this is out, I, I believe that you'll be able to buy tickets. I'm trying to remember the exact dates of Fantasia Fest. But I think it should be going on right around, it's like August 20th till September 2nd. Um, so hopefully you're still able to get tickets now for fried berry you should be able to you should be able to by the time this is out you should be able to go over to fantasiafestival.com look up fried berry check it out and watch the movie it's a trip from what i've heard i haven't seen it i've seen the short film and you can see that too on youtube if you look up fried berry on youtube you can find the short film it's a total experimental mind trip and totally worth your time as is a lot of uh, ryan kruger stuff so I, I highly recommend it go over to his social media subscribe and Watch, watch for this dude. He has a bright, bright future, and I'm super excited to see what he does next. All right, until next time, I've been Josh. Keep getting inspired. Keep pushing forward. Fight through this bullshit that's happening. And as always, don't let your meat love, folks. This episode of the first studios. This episode of the Flush Studios podcast was recorded live. Wait, no, it wasn't live. Okay. This episode of the Flush Studios podcast was recorded in tropical Minnesota. Theme song by Curtis Allen Hager. What are you doing? Can you say produced by my dad, Josh Stifter?
post by my dad, Sean's sister. Thanks for listening. Good job. All right, you want to go play with marbles? <laughs>